0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. Good morning. How's it going? Good. Hey, we have uh, hanging out with us this morning our youth. They just had an awesome weekend called Youth United with a bunch of other churches. (laughs) Hey, youth, would you guys all stand up if you were part of the Youth United Weekend Leaders, host homes. Awesome. Eliza and I went last night to worship, and it was awesome, and then we stuck in for about three minutes of the message because it was not geared toward six-year-olds, and so it's like, oh, whoa, that's why it's youth and not everybody. Um, But we had a really, really good time. Hey, after our time together this morning, our prophetic team is going to be available. And uh, basically the way it works is that you line up at those doors after service. They're in the hall. They're going to pray. And um, it is very normal to get prophetic words that will change the course of your life. And so if you're in a place where you could use some encouragement from God, if you could use some direction, um, some clarity, then I just encourage you uh, to line up at those doors after service. Don't start right now. It's not like a camp out thing. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's really good. And if you're, here's a challenge to you. You ready for a challenge? Already. I'm not even preaching yet. Um, if you're skeptical about God speaking, you're like, I don't, I don't even know what that's about or if God would speak to me or through other people for me, then I encourage you to, to just be courageous enough to, to line up. And, and just expect that you're going to receive something that will impact you greatly. Youth, you guys are invited uh, to be a part of that also. And, uh, yeah, years ago, um, I went and uh, was very skeptical, and it has marked my life forever. And so um, I just encourage you to check that out. Um, yeah, so about six months ago, eight months ago, whatever April was, in the month of April, we, uh, we're having a, a core leadership team, which is basically like our pastors or staff, and we come, come together uh, every couple of weeks, and uh, the way we start our meetings is always sharing yay God stories or what's God, what God is doing, because what I've realized is that it's very easy to get focused on what's wrong or what God is not doing, but when we start on what God is doing, it actually gives us the lenses just to, to see clearly and partner in faith With what he's doing and so that's normally how we start our times together as a team and so we were we were sharing and I was just talking about the name of Jesus and how I think I was sharing just how God's really just been teaching me how to pray in the name of Jesus that it's not a cute ending to our prayers but it actually is really really powerful and so the the idea of name in the Bible when it says we pray in the name of Jesus it's not just like oh yeah, let me throw the name of Jesus on there to give a cute ending to my prayer. But it's actually when you use the the word name, it basically means the character or the essence of the person. Basically, that you're authorized to use their name as if they're the person who's really there. And so, when we pray in the name of Jesus, essentially what we're doing is we're praying as if the words were coming out of Jesus himself standing there. And then Brenda said something incredibly simple but deep. A lot of times, Revelation operates that way. And she said, well, well, what if we didn't just pray in the name of Jesus, but what if we preached in the name of Jesus? What if we went to work in the name of Jesus? What if we did everything that we do? This is uh, Colossians 3.17. What if we did everything that we do in the name of Jesus as if Jesus were actually the one there doing it? And it was one of those moments that it's like like you've you've heard it before, but you heard it differently. And in that moment, the Spirit of God came crashing into that room. I ended up on the floor really quickly. Um, God just started moving. Um, We were all like in tears and moved. Y'all remember that day, team? A couple of you. Awesome. (laughs) And it was was something that was the same but revolutionary for me. And I'd like to suggest to you that when we live our lives, that we are actually supposed to live our lives in the name of Jesus. That everything you do, that you're doing as a representative who is authorized as if Jesus himself were doing it. That you go to work in the name of Jesus. That you hang out with your family after work in the name of Jesus. That you go to school in the name of Jesus. that, That you're going in the character and the essence as the representation of Jesus himself. And that whatever you say or do, it's as if Jesus was there saying or doing those exact things. Whatever you pray, you pray in the same kind of faith that if Jesus himself were saying those words to the Father and making that request of heaven, that you would get the same kind of response that Jesus himself would get. And when we begin to think that way, it changes the way that we live our life. And so I've started praying for people. When people come forward, I recognize this, that they're really not very interested in what Joel carries but they're actually coming to me to receive something from God through me. And so I've started just in my mind picturing that Jesus is actually the one standing there in my shoes in front of them. And, and there's something that, that changes in your faith level because my faith is no longer in what I carry as in anointing or gifting, but in what he carries, And when we put our faith in the name of Jesus, in the person, the essence of Jesus, we no longer operate based on what we carry, but on what he carries. And so it changes the way that we do everything that we do. That's basically all I have to say this morning. (laughs) But I'll talk a little bit longer on the same idea. So... Growing up, I uh, worked some for my dad. I had some other crazy jobs. For, for a season, I worked at Astro World, which no longer exists, uh, but in the games. And in the, in the Astro World games, I, I got this hookup where basically I got 15% commission. So basically, as much as I could rip people off to play the basketball game where the ball only fits in with like no room, I would make 15% of that money. So as a 16-year-old, I was actually making quite a bit of money. I had uh, a day where I made, at 16, I think it was around the year 2000, I made like over $300 in one day. I have yet to make that much money in my life since then. (laughs) Um, And and the other thing is is that about a year later, I was one of the leading three-point shooters in the city of Houston. And so, yeah, so that was probably part of my training, but, but what happened was is that I was basically this scrawny, shaggy head. I actually had hair, shaggy-headed guy, and, uh, and I, would, I would make shots, like, across, like, all the goals and all that kind of stuff, and so these guys would see, and they're like, dude, if you, can, if you can do that, and I would get them to just, like, cough up their money, and I did really, really well. That's not part of the story, though, or part of the sermon, even, actually. So, anyways, most of the time I did not work for Six Flags because scamming uh, like drug dealers out of their money is only good for so long. And so, which did happen. Also, anybody remember the Houston Rockets, like the glory days with Kenny Smith and Elijah one and all those guys? Kenny Smith was like one of the best three-point shooters around. It took him $25 to make one basket at my game. So that's how hard it was. Anyways. So most of the time, I, I worked for my dad. And what I realized is that I was actually way overpaid working for my dad. I probably made minimum wage, but I was still incredibly overpaid for what I actually brought to the table. Um, so I was like an expert sweeper. We would build, like, these laser tag facilities, and I, I would memorize them because I would have to sweep out the whole maze. All, like, that was my assignment for, like, five days straight. And, uh, and so working with my dad was always... Always interesting and tiring. One time, uh, my brother and I were working. We were like 10 and 12. And he had us move this pile of bricks from one side of the yard of this house. Uh, and it was like 150,000 degrees in Houston swamp weather. And, and so we move it. Josh is like throwing up because he can't handle the, the heat and exhaustion. And, and a couple of weeks later, he says, hey, guys, would you move that pile of bricks back over there? I realized that there was actually no point in us moving that pile of bricks from one side of the yard to the other, but he was just trying to find something to do to keep us busy. Um, Yeah, it's like, just get a machine and just move them all at once instead of us moving bricks all day. And, uh, but here's what I realized about my dad is that he was way more interested in us going to work with him and getting time with him than he was in what we could accomplish for him. Sounds familiar? And, and, and so as we do everything that we do in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you to begin to believe that God is actually more interested in being a co-laborer with you than he is in what you can accomplish for him by yourself. Religion has you spending your whole life working for God. When the invitation of heaven is that you would always work with God. That everything that you would do would be in partnership with him. And that's the way that it was always intended to be. When you look at the creation story, go with me to Genesis 1. It's like the first page of your Bible probably. And it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image. You know that man was created in the image as a representation similar to that idea of name. Man was created in that way. It says, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they will rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in his likeness. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and then said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky Over and over every uh, living creature that moves on the ground. Now often we go back to this very passage as we're preaching and, and sharing really what God's plan is for us. And the reason is, is this is our original intent. This is what God created us for. And as you read on a little bit more, what you realize is that it wasn't just that God created man for work and for uh, leading the world into his purpose and in his likeness and in his image, but he also created man to walk with God. And those two ideas actually go hand in hand, that you were not created to work for God but with God, but that you would actually carry the image of God with you wherever you go. And if we go on a little bit further, what we see in the Genesis chapter 2 is really the micro story of creation, the Adam and Eve part of the story. And what we see in verse 15 of chapter 2 is this, is that the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. Here's what I want you to get this morning, is that man was created for work. The woman was created for work. That work is not a curse. It's not the result of the curse. It's not part of this like plan from God to mess with your life and to give you a burden that you were never meant to carry. And so often we act as if I am cursed by having to go to work. I was talking with some young guys the other day in a company that I... Uh, work for, and and one of the guys was talking about another guy, and he said, yeah, what he really wants to do is to save up a lot of money, make some investments, and then sit back and do nothing. And I said, how miserable. You see, part of your purpose is to work, that you were actually created for work. You were not created to do nothing. You were created actually to carry the very image of God with you wherever you go I love what Hugh said a few weeks ago he said if you can't do what you love then love what you do and you see so often we wake up in the morning and our feet they they hit the ground beside our bed and we're like man I don't want to go to work right we're like I can't I can't believe I have to I hate my job I can't believe that I have to go you know do construction or that I have to go and, 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 you know, flip burgers or I have to go and sit in that office. And, and we begin actually to speak words that our heart and our life begins to align with and we start to say, I can't believe I have to do this. And we start to act as if the work that we have to do is a curse from God. But I'd like to suggest to you that when your feet hit the ground in the morning that you would start to say, I'm on assignment. That when you go TC and you're going to work for the fire department at Canyon Lake, that your feet hit the ground in the morning you say, today I'm on assignment. I'm an image bearer for God. Jarrett, when you go and you, and you go sell complicated oil and gas stuff that I have no idea what it is, <laughs> that your feet would hit the ground in the morning and then you would not say, no, today is not Saturday. I wish that I didn't have to go to work today, but today I am on assignment for God. But I'm actually carrying his likeness and his image wherever I go and that where I go that he's actually going there with me. Damien, when you go to school, when your feet hit the floor in the morning, as you're rolling out of bed, you're like, man, I don't want to go to school anymore. That you would start to say, you know what, today, today I'm on assignment. I'm actually carrying the image and the glory of God wherever I go. And that when we would start to recognize that everything that I do is meaningful, not because the task in and of itself is meaningful, but because I carry the image of God and whatever I do, I actually make it meaningful. Whatever I do, it's, it's not like, oh, well, well I, you know, I just do this, Daniel, I just, I just work for this entertainment group. But what Daniel has started to recognize, and I love this, we've been having this conversation back and forth, is that I actually carry the culture of the kingdom into Evo Entertainment. Here's what's crazy about Daniel. Lots of things are crazy about Daniel. Here's one of the things, if you saw him worshiping earlier, like, yeah, there's a lot crazy. Here's what's crazy about Daniel, though, is that as he started shifting the way that he thinks and the culture that he carries, he actually, they, they made up this working group that was about implementing and maintaining the culture of Evo in all of their locations. And they invited him to be on it because they realized that he carries the culture that they want to carry wherever they go. And so what if, what if we started realizing that actually everything we do, whatever we're called to do, that I actually carry the kingdom? that I'm doing it in the name of Jesus, that it actually has incredible purpose in my life, and it's actually part of seeing the glory of God cover the whole earth. You're watching babies in the morning or all day, and, and, and that's all you're doing. You're like, man, this is, this is like I'm just watching. And no. It's incredibly meaningful because you're actually caring for people that are going to change our culture one way or another, and God sent them to you. You're a stay-at-home mom incredible kingdom purpose right where you are, what you're doing. You're retired. I want you to know that if you're retired, that may make sense in the world, but there is no kingdom retirement. Retirement from the kingdom is actually when you go on up into glory, okay? And so if if you're not dead, then you have incredible purpose in the kingdom. As long as there is breath in your lungs, there's incredible purpose right where you are. That every bit of work that we do, as long as it's moral work, has incredible purpose. It's all holy. Why? Because you're the one who's doing it. And so you actually are part of carrying the good news of the kingdom of God into every place that we go. I love uh, Mark's version of the Great Commission. You see, Matthew says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we we get a, a piece of of the purpose of God for us that it's not just regional but that it's that it's all people's everywhere we go that everybody should have access to the kingdom of God. But what Mark says is this in Mark 16 verse 15 he says go and preach it to all of creation. To all of creation and so here's what I'd like to For you to get this morning is that as we go, we're preaching the gospel not simply to every person, but it's actually that the gospel of the kingdom unlocks something in all of creation. That it actually puts everything in its order. God never gave up on his plan for humanity to carry his image to the whole world. We hit pause when we traded our authority and our image and and began to go our own way. Really, following the devil, you don't get to go your own way. But Jesus came and he he gave us a way. He actually entrusted us with his name so that whatever we do, we carry the culture of the kingdom with us. And so that means that no work is meaningless. That everything you do, Sam, that coding, being a computer engineer is incredibly meaningful. Meaningful. And so often we think, you know, if if I could just have more time that I could give, maybe to like sharing the gospel with my neighbors or or serving uh, at the food bank or whatever it is, then we start to to marginalize the call of God on our life when we put it into the margins of our life. We just start to say, well, if I could just lead a life group, and I want you to lead a life group, that's incredible. But but if you just start to say, if I just was doing this, and it's just the two hours a week that I have, that's meaningful then we've missed the whole thing because God came for our whole life and he wants all of our life, all of it to be kingdom work. And, it, and it's not just that you're positioned to be an evangelist in your, in your workplace or wherever God has you. Now, not that I don't want you to share the good news of the kingdom, like to share and see people come to know Jesus. But you also have a unique gifting from God that was not meant to only work in the church, but was meant to work everywhere that you go. And so when you think about a guy like Daniel in the book of Daniel, who's a prophet, right? His role in the three empires that he served in was not the evangelization of those empires but it was actually to use the gift of prophetic insight and wisdom that he carried to see the gospel of the kingdom infused in that culture in that way. And he served evil leaders with the heart of God, and it transformed them, their kingdoms, and it kept the people of God in place. You think about Joseph. And, and he began to serve, and he, he made some, some mistakes that got him into trouble, especially with his brothers. Sometimes when you announce your prophetic calling to people who don't really care for you, uh, before they recognize it, it, it actually offends them, and, and it doesn't elevate you. And, uh, and so he did that, and, and that was part of God works it all out anyways. But God positioned him as number two in all of the land of Egypt. And then begin to speak to him incredible prophetic insight that changed the way I love this. He didn't just speak, like give incredible words of knowledge to Pharaoh about who Pharaoh was and his identity, but he actually had prophetic insight into how they should structure their kingdom and the systems that they should implement. It was incredible. And I believe that when God speaks to us, that that we're actually positioned by God to carry the image of God wherever we go so that not only God would be glorified and people would be led to Jesus around us, but actually that it would benefit the people that we're serving. That, Tom, for you at Southwest Airlines, that the way that you carry the glory of God as a pilot and you're interacting with others and you're training people, that that would actually that that it would serve Southwest Airlines and make them the very best. And that whatever you do, you see, sometimes we think, well, God's just positioned me here, and I'm like a missionary to my workplace, and so really the only thing that I'm supposed to do is, like, I'm going to pray for everybody and, and share Jesus with everybody. But we surrender our platform when we surrender excellence in the workplace. And so when, we, when you do things halfway, don't expect for God to start to use you for his glory because he's already entrusted you with something and then when we start to use what he's entrusted with us, it actually builds our platform and our influence and it begins to draw people to Jesus. I love what Tim Keller writes. He says, we are continuing God's work of forming, filling, and subduing Whenever we bring order out of chaos, whenever we draw out creative potential, whenever we elaborate and unfold creation beyond where it was when we found it. We are following God's pattern of creative cultural development. And so that's your assignment. And so that means that everything that you do is actually sacred. That, that there's, there's, we, we so often create this false barrier and say, some people are called and other people aren't. And I'd like to suggest that we all have specific callings. And the calling that God has for you is the the most noble thing for you to do. And so often we think, well, you know, I'm I'm not really like a, a, a pastor or something. We start to elevate those people as if their calling is more significant than others. And I'd like for you to begin to believe that my calling is the most significant calling. That what God has for me to do Jared is a, is a plumber. What God has for you to do is incredibly significant. And that everywhere you go, you carry the culture of the kingdom with you. And Jared, he does. He prays for people. He helps people out. He's just The way that he does business brings glory to God. And we start to recognize that everything we do actually begins to declare who God is. I wrote this a few weeks back. I just want to read it to you. It may end up up there. It says, work is not a curse, but a gift. Work predates the fall of man. Work is a significant portion of our original design. Work was never meant to be accomplished outside of relationship with God. The ability to work is the result of common grace. God's idea of work is how we cultivate the world for the kingdom and extend the boundaries of Eden to the ends of the earth. Work is also a built-in mechanism for provision. I love what First Thessalonians says, 3.10. It says that the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And so often we, we make excuses for laziness and start to say, well, I'm part of the family and they'll just take care of me. And I'd like to, man, there are times when we're out of work and there's times when we're in need and there is no shame for that place, but there is also no excuse for laziness in the kingdom. That God's saying, hey, you have been gifted and you carry him, and so you're supposed to work. You're supposed to use what you have, the very best that he's entrusted with you, and go to work with it. And if you're you're in college, that even though you're paying and not getting paid to do that, that you would actually, as a college student, that you would recognize, hey, this is actually my job, and I'm going to do my very best in what God has put in front of me, even as a student, so that he would be glorified and so that when the right time comes for me to get hired by somebody and promoted by somebody, that I'm offering them the very best that God's entrusted me with. Thank you. Work is also God's built-in mechanism for provision. Work requires faith. Work requires obedience. Work is faith in action faith is not doing nothing faith is doing everything in partnership with god and so often we think well, well you know i've got faith and this is the argument that they have in james chapter 2 right well i've got faith and the other guys well i got works and james says here's what counts is that what counts is works done in faith And so, what happens is, is, that God created us for this divine partnership with Him, that we would be co-laborers with Him. And so, everything I do is an expression. How I live is an expression of the faith of God and the faith in God that I carry. And and it, and you know what? You don't even have to be a genius to figure it out. You don't have to make your own way. What Ephesians chapter two verse ten says is that we were made for. We were. Where is it? There it is. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you don't have to make up good works. He's actually already prepared them in advance for you. And so when we begin to walk by the Spirit and allow him to lead us, he actually leads us into the good works, the work that he has for us. So you don't have to be clever. You just have to be alive and listening to God, and he'll lead you into the purpose that God has for you. Why don't you stand with me? I like making declarations together. It's a good way to to respond. So let's make some declarations together. I am made in the image of God. I carry, the image of God. I carry the image of God. I carry the name of Jesus. I carry the name of Jesus. He's, in me. He's in me. I'm in him. I'm in him. So, whatever I do is holy. so whatever I do is holy. Whatever I do, I'm on assignment. Whatever I do, I'm on assignment. Whatever I do has purpose. purpose. Now, just say out loud what it is you do with most of your time. Go for it. All right, now, now say it like you actually care about it. And now what I want you to say is, I'm on assignment. As soon as my feet hit the ground, I'm on assignment. God is using me. God is using me. Everywhere, I go, I Everywhere I go, I carry the kingdom. All right, now put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. If you're single and you need a date, just give them a squeeze. And here's what I want to do. Let's just pray. God, I just thank you for anointing. I thank you for divine purpose. Lord, I just say that this person on my right and on my left is called right where you have them. That they change culture. That everywhere they go, they carry the mind of Christ. That they were created for good works in Jesus the glory of God goes ahead of them and it follows after them and it lives in them in Jesus' name.